I'm Dr. Sterling. I'm a board-certified OBGYN and mom. Welcome to the Becoming Moms podcast, where I give you the step-by-step to optimizing your physical and emotional wellness in pregnancy so you can create a nourishing environment for your baby, your family, and yourself. The information shared in this podcast is intended for general education purposes only and is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or another qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you heard in this podcast. All right, lovelies, let's dive in to this week's episode. You are listening to a bonus episode of Becoming Moms. And not just that, you are listening to my pregnancy diary. At the beginning of my third and likely last pregnancy, I decided to document the experience and I have not held anything back. I talk about my fears, my emotions, how I'm feeling and coping. It's about to get real. Hello, lovelies. I am 25 weeks pregnant. I'm all recovered from my uh, illness, from COVID, thank goodness, feeling so much better. Um, my my nausea has really improved. Um, I am certainly, you know, still having symptoms and some struggles in pregnancy, but in comparison to where I was, just the, the, the change is really astronomical. Um, definitely, um, having some starting to get that pregnancy insomnia where I just wake up at two or three in the morning um, and having some difficulty there. Um, And we will talk a little bit about sleep and pregnancy um, uh, in this installment of my pregnancy diary. Uh, Other update is I had my one hour glucose test um, to screen for gestational diabetes earlier this week. And um, it was an incredibly stressful day for me. And uh, it came back abnormal. So in my past two pregnancies, I actually did what's called a two hour glucose test um, with my first pregnancy because I was at a different institution. There are different ways that you can screen for gestational diabetes. The two main ways are a one step process and a two step process. So if you have a one hour glucose tolerance test in your pregnancy, you're, you're doing the two step. So um, a you know good percentage of people are going to pass their one hour. They won't need to do a three hour. And then uh, about 14 to 20, three-ish percent of us will quote unquote fail the one hour and need to do a three hour. So that's a two-step um, test. I would say that's, that's you know, um, more common, but not necessarily more valid. The uh, one-step process, which I did with my first pregnancy, uh, is where you do a larger glucose load and then you do a, it's a two-hour test. So it's a two-hour glucose tolerance test and um, it's a little, it's easier for some and not as easy for others, right? Because it's, um, you don't have to do another test after that. So it's easier for the people who end up quote unquote failing. The one step test diagnoses a larger percent of the population with gestational diabetes. And I think that's the thing that's really important for us all to understand about gestational diabetes is that it is a a spectrum. Um, If you're a member of Sterling Parents, I created a really beautiful, robust, if I do say so myself, um, a very um, beautiful, robust uh, fact sheet about 
um, gestational diabetes and talking about the different ways to test and explaining the, the gestational diabetes spectrum. So um, if you want to, to learn more about this topic and you're a member of Sterling Parents, go check out that, that gestational diabetes fact sheet in the member site. But essentially, um, gestational, you know, gestational diabetes is a spectrum in pregnancy. Really, pregnancy impacts how we process sugar, okay? In, a very, in very simplistic terms, it's actually quite complicated, but no need to get into the nitty gritty. In quite simple terms, um, the, you need to have more, more glucose left around in your um, bloodstream for baby. You can't, you know, you can't take it all up. We need to leave some leftover for baby. So, um, how we process sugar changes in pregnancy and it puts us at increased risk of, um, kind of unmasking an underlying problem with our relationship between insulin and glucose. So, so insulin is a hormone that your body secretes when it has, you know, when it's exposed to glucose, you always have insulin in your system. You always have glucose in your system. If you intake more um, glucose or sugar, you're going to see your insulin go up. And what insulin does is it is a hormone that goes to your cells and tells your cells, hey, there's glucose out here. I know that you've been needing some energy. So you might want to open up those channels and let some, some glucose in so that you can use it to power yourself. Okay. So um, some people enter pregnancy with some degree of what we call insulin resistance. So in order to get their body to respond to insulin, they have to produce more. And some people actually have trouble making enough insulin to get their cells to take in the appropriate amount of glucose. And so glucose is left over. I hope this is making sense. Again, if you are someone who really um, needs to, you know, read this out, um, there is a really great fact sheet inside of sterlingparents.com. It kind of explains this all. Um, Okay, let's pause. Many of us enter our reproductive journeys already pretty stressed and busy. And then you add pregnancy or trying to conceive to the mix and life gets even more overwhelming. Now is the time to make stress reduction a priority. Not only does reducing stress before or during pregnancy decrease your chances of many pregnancy complications, it also may improve long-term health outcomes for your baby. Take a step today and head over to thebestpregnancyclass.com to register for my free class, Four Ways to Make Your Pregnancy easier and healthier. You and your baby won't regret it. Again, head over to thebestpregnancyclass.com to register for this free prenatal class. So the one hour glucose test is what I took earlier this week. I was really stressed that day. My values came back abnormal. So there are different cutoffs. <laughs> There's three different cutoffs that we see to diagnose people with gestational diabetes, because again, this is a spectrum. And at some, we have to pick a number and say, okay, these are the people we're gonna treat with, you know, as gestational diabetics, we're going to give them the diet counseling. We're gonna talk to them about exercise. We're gonna have them check their blood sugars. This is the this is the end of the spectrum that we're going to intervene. And then there's a clearly an end of the spectrum that doesn't need 
really any of that. I mean, it's always good to exercise and eat a balanced diet, but they don't need to be checking their sugars. They don't need, you know, to really change their diet or their habits. And then there's a little bit of a gray zone. There's these, uh, you know, definitely having an abnormal one hour glucose test. Even if you have a normal three hour, you aren't going to be diagnosed with gestational diabetes, but you're somewhere in the middle of the spectrum. And um, so it's not unreasonable to do some counseling about diet and exercise and lifestyle changes um, in that group. The, the degree to which, uh, you know, we really talk about that result and, and its significance also depends on the other risk factors that the, the person holds, okay? So, um, so long story short, there's, you know, the, the people who have an abnormal one hour but a normal three hour still do have some increased risk in pregnancy. So that's where I fall in. In this pregnancy, I had an abnormal one hour, it was off by one point, um, and in, you know, because there's three different cutoffs that we use to um, determine what's a normal versus an abnormal um, result from the one hour, <laughs> could this get any more complicated? Um, by by two of the cutoffs that that are out there um, in the the in our field, I need a three hour. By one of the cutoffs, I don't. So my value was 135. So there's a 130 cutoff and there's a 140 cutoff. And those are the two that, you know, people do studies and are trying to figure out what's a better cutoff to use for the one hour test. And then a lot of institutions split the difference and do 135 as ab the, the abnormal. So by the split the difference, I'm abnormal. By the, you know, the more conservative 130, I'm abnormal. If my institution was using the 140 cutoff, I wouldn't be doing the three hour. So you see it's, again, it's there's all this debate about how to test and where the cutoff is because it's a spectrum. It's not a cut, you know, a clear and dry diagnosis. Okay. Um, so what do we do when we have an abnormal one hour? So I suspect, and I could be wrong, I suspect that my three hour would probably be normal. I suspect that because in my prior two pregnancies, I wasn't even close to testing positive for gestational diabetes. That doesn't mean that I can't have gestational diabetes this pregnancy, because truthfully, gestational diabetes is not just about me. Certainly there are personal risk factors for gestational diabetes. I don't really have any alone myself. I don't have a family history of diabetes. Um, I have a normal BMI. Um, I'm not in a high risk ethnicity um, or race. So, um, I don't have any personal risk factors. However, it doesn't really matter because I have a baby and this baby's genetics matter too. Now my husband's family does have um, a family history of some um, insulin resistance and some diabetes. So it is possible that um, that is playing a role here, okay? Um, so I suspect that I'll probably test negative. I could be wrong. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. However, even I, if I test completely normal, I am now on that spectrum, okay? And I know that I already have big babies, okay? My last baby was 10 pounds. Um, you know, I think that I just make big babies, though you could definitely, looking at my picture, wonder, oh, okay, did she develop gestational diabetes towards the end of her pregnancy? Because we don't screen after 
the, that test, right? Um, I certainly think that that is something that I, I suspect we will be exploring in the years to come is there are some people who we continue to screen who are just really high risk and we just want to make sure we don't miss it. I think that we'll see more studies looking at who needs additional screening. And um, yeah, so it's possible that we just didn't ever, I did have a, a touch of gestational diabetes um, in my previous, towards the end of my previous pregnancy. And that's why Oliver was 10 pounds. However, you know, I was a big baby. My mom gave birth to other 10 pound babies. So it could also have nothing to do with gestational diabetes. And this one hour glucose test could really just be the fact that I slept really poorly the night before. We know that can raise, you know, raise your stress hormones and thus raise your glucose levels. And I was, it was a really stressful day. So that's possible or, you know, there's something else going on. But my point is, <laughs> I've been trying to get to this point the whole time, I swear. My point is, is that I am still on the spectrum and it still is something that I need to take seriously. So I'm, I'm self-motivated, even if my providers don't say anything to me about changing my habits, I know that I need to. And one of the things that I really need to do is I need to exercise regularly. I was doing that before pregnancy. When I was feeling like crap, it just wasn't gonna happen. So that's something I'm committing to doing. And I actually have to make a pretty big lifestyle change in order to accommodate that. I currently, where you're watching this video, this is not my home. I am at an office away from my home and my, you know, I don't have any exercise equipment here. So my options are, you know, bring some ex exercise equipment here or move my office home or I have exercise equipment where I can shower and, and do all of that stuff. So I was already intending to move my office home because, you know, I, I want to, um, you know, have a quasi maternity leave and, and work from home. Um, so I was already planning on moving my office to my house. It's, we have a, we don't, we live by the beach. We don't have a big house and my husband's works nights, so he's gonna be sleeping in Celeste's room during the day, and it's definitely gonna be a shuffle. We don't have an office. I'm gonna be in our master bedroom or our, the, the you know, the owner suite. Um, so, but now it's like, okay, we've gotta move the timeline up because I want to work from home so that I can take a break and exercise during the day. And I also can um, make my own food and not be, you know, when I'm, I'm eating, I'm, you know, getting some takeout and stuff um, at this office. And it's not that I'm eating bad food. My diet's actually pretty good. But when I'm here, I tend to um, skip meals. Now that I'm not nauseous, I can actually skip meals and I'm reverting to old habits. I'm, I'm notoriously someone who just like won't eat um, for way too long. And I, something I learned in residency just to like power through and I've definitely something I could not do that when I was nauseous, but now I'm starting to do that again. And it's not a good habit to get into. So, um, that's a, I am because of this abnormal one hour, I'm taking a big step and making lifestyle change. So I'm going to move my office to my home sooner than I had planned to so that I can exercise and I can make my own food. And, um, yeah, I just really, uh, I want to, you know, you want to take it seriously. And, um, you know, I'm not going to, you know, unless I have an abnormal three hour and then I'm just, you know, I have gestational diabetes, I'm not going to beat myself up about it. I, 
I'm never going to beat myself up about it, but I'm not going to go overboard and freak out about it. I mean, if I have gestational diabetes, trust me, I'm going to be very, very regimented. Um, but if I don't, it's just about, you know, making some choices that I probably already should have been doing, you know? So, um, gestation, we talked about gestational diabetes in terms of sleep. Um, I'm just going to before when I, you know, early in pregnancy, I was so tired. I was taking a medication for my nausea that really was also, uh, you know, helped me sleep. And so now, um, you know, we're already at uh, 14 minutes here, so I won't get too into sleep um, in this installment of my diary. We can talk about it next time, but I'm just like, okay, it's now like, it needs to be a priority again. I could get away with not having the best of habits before because I was so exhausted and I was taking um, Diclean, no, I was taking Bongesta, which um, has some sedentary side effects. Um, and I could kind of get away with, with not having as great sleep hygiene as I should. And now um, I'm having th those issues again. So now I really need to focus on um, sleep. So unless something totally drastic changes next um, next installment. Um, I'll be talking to y'all again when I'm 27 weeks. Um, probably we'll talk about sleep uh, during that, uh, that installment. All right, y'all, I hope you have a beautiful day. Until next time. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Becoming Moms. If you were looking for more support from me during your pregnancy journey, head over to sterlingparents.com to learn more about our membership. The Sterling Parents membership now comes with a private Instagram account where members can send me direct messages 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Pregnancy is hard. You deserve support. Head over to sterlingparents.com to get the best support available for your pregnancy.